Today is the first Sunday of Lent, and during our Lenten period uh, in M&M's, we um, are used to doing a Lenten sermon series, and this year we'll talk about the seven sacraments. Um, and today we start with the sacrament of confession. Now, last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, where we remembered and we hear you are dust and you will return to dust. And the priest then crosses you with ash on the forehead. And it is a reminder that we are sinful. It is a reminder that we are mortal and that we are in need of repentance. Now, the passage from about dust comes from Genesis 3, a bit after the passage we just read. It happens just after the fall where God says to Adam and Eve, you are dust and you will return to dust. And so how appropriate to talk about confession on the first Sunday of Lent, especially as Lent is a period in which we reflect on sin, where we um, think about um, and where we reflect on what we are and why we need Christ. Now confession, um, I think, to most of us means something as we confess our sin. We know something went wrong and we realize that we are bad and so we need to turn to Christ or to, to confess that sin and then we are good again. Now, I feel a bit uncomfortable with that. Are we bad people? Sin to me always gives me this sort of depressed idea. Some theologians would call it depravity or... Um, People are completely bad or evil, and I just don't feel comfortable preaching about that. So I think confession actually, to me, felt a bit like a difficult sacrament. And so the question I wanted to ask myself, and I want to ask you, is what then is sin? What are we confessing from? Well, in order to answer that, I think we need to go to Genesis 3 the fall of man, or zondeval, as we call it in Dutch. And in order to, to get what happens there, I think we need to see that in light of the bigger picture of the story, creation itself. Uh, a story that authors like Lewis and Tolkien depict beautifully, and I'm very glad that Sarah uh, read that story of creation from Lewis in Narnia with us. It is that beautiful song of creation, that beautiful harmony that gives birth to life, to the stars in the sky and to the sun that rises above the hills. But there is an anti-climax to that story. It is in the Cimmerillion when Melkor sang his first false note in that beautiful harmony. When the face of the witch turned to disapproval when the snake crept into the garden and Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden fruit. And in that one moment, the harmony of that beautiful song of creation is scattered. Now, the first thing that happens after this, I think is remarkable. Because in Genesis we read that when Adam and Eve had had that fruit from the tree, the first thing they realize is not some sort of 
realization that they broke a law, that they did something wrong, that they were terribly wrong and afraid of the consequences of what they did, the first thing they see is they are naked. And in the ancient world, nakedness was a symbol of being nothing, a symbol of shame. And to be honest, that is not what I expect or think of when I think of sin. I think of something to do with law, something that I do wrong and I need punishment from. It doesn't seem that that is the first reaction that Adam and Eve had. Here, sin seems to be shame, a new awareness of self that makes them want to cover things up, that makes them want to hide. And Chrysostomon, an early Christian church father, said of the fall that it was a sense of worthlessness that made Adam and Eve feel unworthy of the glory surrounding them, that made them feel unworthy of the creation that surrounded them, that made them feel unworthy of their own presence, the presence of the other person, that made them feel unworthy of the presence of God himself. And so they hide. So in light of all this, when we think of confession and where that leads to, it gets a different feel to it. It starts with a sense of shame, not necessarily perhaps a sense of breaking the law. Now, confession in the Christian tradition consists of four parts. The first being, a very difficult word that I had to look up, contrition. And contrition means something as in being scattered or being pulverized. In Genesis 3, I think we read that Adam and Eve are pulverized or scattered by a self-hate, by, by shame. And so the first step when we come to confession is actually the realization that we need something else to solve that. However, I don't think, and I think in the past, in Christianity, this may have gone wrong, that that sense of shame is a goal in itself. God's first reaction is not, what the hell have you done wrong? I want nothing to do with you. The first thing that God says is, where are you? And why are you hiding? From that first moment on, God is out to reconnect. And so contrition, feeling bad, feeling shame, feeling worthless, feeling nothingness, is not a goal in itself. Guilt is not a goal in itself because it is always followed by the next step of confession, namely confession itself. The definition of confession, I think, could be quite easy, as in we confess, we say out loud that we have sinned. But I think that definition is a bit too narrow. One of my favorite theologians, Rachel Held Evans, um, defines it a bit like this. When we confess to each other and to ourselves that we're not okay, 
that we are broken, that we cannot do it on our own. It gives a sense of relief and freedom. And it leaves room for that sacramental aspect of confession. We need to say it out loud. And it requires that we speak, that we voice something, that we actually act, that we embody a sense of our faith, which is what a sacrament is. Where we voice our shame, where we voice our sense of worthlessness. And in doing so, confession forces us to step out of our hiding place into the light. It forces us to be vulnerable again. And once we've started that process of uncovering, once we started that process of stepping out of our hiding place, we arrive at the third step of confession, which is penance. Now, penance is not necessarily the 30 Hail Marys you have to say after you've confessed a sin to a priest. It's also not the 50 Our Fathers you have to pray once you've confessed your sins to a priest. Although that may have happened, uh, and maybe still happens in some uh, practice of confession. A Catholic theologian, William Webb, said about the penance, the punishment of sin, that it is the medicine of the wound that sin leaves. It is the medicine of the wound of our shame, the wound of our self-hate, the wound of our worthless feeling. Another word that is often used in relation to penance is sanctification. <coughs> sanctification means becoming holy. Another favorite theologian of mine, Rowan Williams, says of being holy or becoming holy that it has everything to do with loving yourself, enjoying who you are. He writes of a meeting he had with Desmond Tutu that Desmond Tutu loves being Desmond Tutu. And he says, he doesn't do that in an arrogant way. It's not as if he wants to say, oh, look at me, I'm great. No, he does it in a way that made Rowan Williams want to be himself too. In other words, loving yourself in a way that creates space for other people to do the same, to be themselves as well. And so I think the true punishment, the true penance of sin, to sin, is actually starting to love yourself again. Not throwing yourself into a pit of guilt and shame. Loving who you are. True penance is embracing who you are and in doing so, embracing God's creation. Which leads me to the final step of confession, absolution. It is traditionally where the priest, after hearing your confession and giving you the penance, forgives your sin, forgives you. And also that has a sacramental value in it. It is not enough to know by ourselves that we are forgiven, sometimes we need to hear it out loud from someone else. Now, confession happens in two ways. A private way, where you go to a confessional booth and see a priest. 
it also happens in a general way or in a communal way. It's what we do every Sunday. We just did a confession together. And so seeing absolution in light of the community, of the communal aspect, I think is crucial to our understanding of confession in general. Just imagine a community that allows each other to love themselves. It requires absolution from the community. It requires permission from the community to actually do so. And then absolution becomes permission to love and to be yourselves. Where all of creation in all of its diversity is loved and hold in the hands of the creator. Included in the song of creation. And so confession creates a community, I think, that does not drown themselves in guilt or shame. But one that reconciles themselves in light of Christ's resurrection, with each other and with God. So I think we are in desperate need of confession. Confession that helps us to embrace the harmonious melody of creation again and to be in awe of its singer. Amen.